Nick, I'm almost done with Gynonk, which is really fortunate because I'm going to be going on to OB. However, I am a little bit nervous about having to teach my junior residents how to ultrasound. Well, did you know that you can head on over to the obgproject.com and with your chief resident skills, get free access to their second trimester ultrasound atlas? If you're a chief resident like Nick and I, you can go on to the OBG project and sign up for OBG First completely free. OBG First is a subscription that allows you to build your very own reading library on the OBG project website. And they also send you up-to-date emails with the latest guidelines and research. All of their content is summarized into easily digestible bites, bulleted information, so that way you can take it on the go, whether you're on your phone, on the wards, or hanging out at home. If you want to find out how to sign up for OBG first, go ahead and go on our website at www.creogsovercoffee.com. Alright guys, welcome back. This is Faye. And this is Nick. And this is Creogs Over Coffee. Today we'll be talking about part three of adnexal masses and we'll be discussing germ cell tumors. The epic saga continues. So Faye, what exactly are germ cell tumors? So germ cell tumors are tumors that are derived from primordial germ cells of the ovary and they can be benign or malignant. They comprise of approximately 20 to 25% of ovarian neoplasm, so that's both benign and malignant. And the thing that's a little bit strange about germ cell tumors as compared to uh, the epithelial cell tumors that we talked about before is that these tend to occur in young women between the ages of 10 to 30. So while they certainly can occur in older women, you may also find these in your young adolescent women or um, the women in their 20s and 30s. So Nick, let's go ahead and get started. What is the first type of germ cell tumor that you want to talk about? Let's start off with, I guess, you know, when you hear hoofbeats, think horses, right? So yeah. when you see this kind of funky mass in somebody who's a younger woman, the probably the first thing we all think about is a teratoma, right? Yes. So there are two types of teratomas known as mature, which are cystic or solid and benign teratomas, or immature teratomas, which are malignant. Let's talk about mature teratomas briefly, though we've talked about them before. Again, mature teratomas, aka dermoids, comprise greater than 95% of all ovarian teratomas, and they are benign. They're the most common ovarian tumor in women in the second and third decade of life. These tumors are either cystic or solid, um, and they're comprised of a heterogeneous collection of tissue and organized structure from all three germ cell layers. So again, those are the ectoderm, the mesoderm, and the endoderm. And again, these benign teratomas are usually asymptomatic, but if they grow large enough, they can put people at risk for ovarian torsion. And interestingly enough, rupture of these particular teratomas can also cause hemorrhage, infection, or even shock because of release of just all that junk into the, into the abdomen, like a chemical peritonitis. The treatment ultimately for teratoma is removal by a cystectomy um, or an oophorectomy if you can't free the cyst up. There is a small, small risk of malignant transformation in mature teratomas. This happens in about 
0.2 to 2% of mature cystic teratomas. And again, these malignant transformations really are not like ovarian malignancies, but rather they're malignancies of the tissue that's growing inside, right? So like you can find thyroid cancer in these, or you can find skin cancer in these. Um, so rather than like what you think of traditionally as epithelial ovarian cancer. Um, risk factors for this malignant transformation include patients whose age is greater than 45, patients whose tumor is greater than 10 centimeters, or patients who have a tumor that is particularly of rapid growth. Faye, what about the other type of teratomas, the immatures? Yeah, so the immature teratomas or the malignant teratomas are uh, share some similar features to mature teratomas. One, they come from tissue from all three germ cell layers. So again, that's the ectoderm, the mesoderm, and the endoderm. And these malignant teratomas can range from what's called well-differentiated to poorly differentiated. And clinical manifestations um, is similar to that of other ovarian germ cell tumors, which is an incidentally discovered adnexal mass, abdominal enlargement, pain, bloating. In terms of what to look for in serum markers, Immature teratomas can have elevated LDH or AFP, but they do not have to. Treatment would be a staging procedure and even chemotherapy. So you would be treating this like an ovarian cancer. And of course, we will discuss all of this in later episodes. What's next, Nick? All right. So moving on from, again, those common teratomas, we're going to move into the things that are a bit more uncommon. And let's start off with dysgerminomas. So dysgerminomas represents only about 2% of ovarian neoplasms, but they do account for almost a third, 32.8% of malignant ovarian germ cell tumors. Dysgerminomas occur mostly in adolescents and young adults. And on histopathology, these are undifferentiated germ cells. They look like large vesicular cells with a clear neoplasm, and probably what you remember from medical school is that these are those fried egg cells, right? So again, large vesicular cells with clear neoplasm, so it looks like kind of the egg is sunny side up. The presentation of these dysgerminomas um, is a little unusual because growth isn't rapid. Women usually present just with like abdominal enlargement or bloating and pain. Tumor markers for dysgerminomas include LDH. Only about 3 to 5% will produce uh, human chorionic gonadotropin or HCG. These usually do not produce uh, alpha fetal protein of AFP. Most women with these dysgerminomas present early. They present stage 1 disease. And ultimately, the treatment is going to be surgery and chemotherapy, which again we'll revisit in a later episode. The next type of germ cell tumors we'll talk about is yolk sac tumors. And you'll notice that Nick and I are basically highlighting each of the high yield facts about all of these tumors because there's so many of them. So yolk sac tumors make up 14 to 20% of all malignant ovarian germ cell tumors. In terms of histopathology, and I promise we won't go into a ton of this, but this is quite high yield on the CREOGs. So remember that they look like tubules or spaces that are lined by single layers of flattened cuboidal cells. And there are also all these papillary structures with a central vessel. And this is the high yield word that you're going to look for when you see it on a test is Schiller-Duval bodies. And we'll have pictures of all of these histopathology on our website. The presentation is similar to that of most other ovarian germ cell tumors, which is abdominal pain and pelvic mass. The tumor growth can be rapid, and the marker that you're going to be looking for is alpha-fetoprotein, or AFP. 
LDH may be elevated, but not all the time. And it's really that AFP that can be used to monitor response to treatment. And again, treatment is like any other ovarian neoplasm, surgery, and chemotherapy. Next up are the embryonal carcinomas, and these are kind of the big baddies in this group. They comprise only about 4% of the malignant ovarian germ cell tumors, but they're one of the most aggressive. The neoplasm itself is epithelial, and on histopathology can form papillary or gland-like structures, but they're really characterized more by these multinucleated giant cells, and again, that's going to be kind of the big thing to remember. These multinucleated giant cells actually produce HCG, so HCG is going to be your tumor marker associated with embryonal carcinomas, and you can kind of remember that because an embryo and HCG go together. The treatment ultimately, again, for these embryonal carcinomas like the others, surgery and chemo. We're next just going to mention mixed germ cell tumors. This is basically a germ cell neoplasm that consists of two or more types of the ovarian germ cell tumors that we have already talked about. And the most common ones are components of dysgerminoma mixed with yolk sac tumor. And so in terms of treatment and things like that, they'll be pretty much the same, surgery and chemotherapy. And so they can have markers that are characteristic of both or all types of the tumors that are within. Making it extra confusing. Definitely. We're going to move into some even rarer germ cell tumors now. One of them you've probably heard of before, and the other one you may not have heard of before, or at least that's the case for me. I'll talk about the one that we probably haven't heard of before because it's kind of interesting. It's called a polyembryoma. Polyembryomas are composed of embryoid bodies that morphologically resemble normal embryos. Um, these are super rare tumors, and they're associated usually with other germ cell elements like an immature teratoma would be. Um, these, unfortunately, though, can be pretty aggressive um, with extensive local infiltration, um, but can also have distant metastases. And in terms of tumor markers, you may see HCG and AFP elevated. The next rare ovarian germ cell tumor is one that we have heard of, usually associated with things like molar pregnancies, and that's choriocarcinoma. Non-gestational choriocarcinoma is very, very rare and highly malignant. Choriocarcinoma derives from extra embryonic differentiation of malignant germ cells. The elevated markers are going to be HCG, and they can metastasize to distant sites like lung, liver, brain, and bone. We'll certainly review the staging of choriocarcinoma and other things in a future episode again, because that's another one to at least think about for CREOGS, um, but we won't cover it today. All right, Nick. So I think this means we've got to sum up. Let's go ahead and go through everything that we just talked about. All right. Faye has put an awesome table together for the website. So if you want to get this in like a short distilled form, head on over to our website, creogsovercopy.com. But just as a quick summary here, let's roll through. So... Again, we'll start, we talked about germ cell tumors today. The first types are teratomas. There's two types of those, mature teratomas or dermoids that comprise 95% of ovarian teratomas and are benign. The most common tumor in women in their 20s or 30s um, and are usually asymptomatic. Immature teratomas, on the other hand, are malignant, also have tissue from all three germ cell tumors, um, and with markers can have an elevated LDH or AFP. We then talked about dysgerminomas, which overall is pretty uncommon in terms of ovarian neoplasms, but do account for a third of malignant ovarian germ cell tumors, mostly occurring in young adults. The histopathology to remember is the fried egg appearance of these cells, and then also the marker that will, should stand out is LDH. 
Next up are the yolk sac tumors. Again, the thing to remember about these are those tubules or spaces lined by single layers of flattened cuboidal cells, papillary structures with a central vessel, the Schiller-Duval body. So again, yolk sac tumor, Schiller-Duval body. These again present with abdominal pain and a pelvic mass, and the markers are AFP and sometimes LDH. The next thing we talked about was the embryonocarcinoma, which is also very rare. Um, and these are characterized by these multinucleated giant cells that produce HCG. Lastly, we talked about choriocarcinoma, again, generally as a result of gestation, non-gestational, though is very rare, with a marker of HCG. All right, Nick, I think we have covered all of our germ cell tumors. Thank goodness. Yes, thank goodness indeed. So once again, this is Nick. This is Faye. And this has been Creogs Over Coffee. If you enjoyed this episode as well as our other episodes, go ahead and go online to iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or any other of your podcatchers and give us a five-star rating and review. You can find us on social media, on Twitter at CreogsOverCoff1, on Facebook at CreogsOverCoffee, or on Instagram at CreogsOverCoffee. You can also check us out on Patreon, www.patreon.com slash CreogsOverCoffee, where you can get shout-out or some swag. We understand that it's really hard to talk about histopathology on a podcast, so if you'd like to see some pictures, go ahead and go online to our website, www.creogsovercoffee.com. If you have a creative way to remember all of these tumors that we've been talking about, or want to give us a shout out, or do you have an idea for the show, email us, creogsovercoffee at gmail.com. 